0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Kate Steen about improving employee retention by showing concern for employee safety and well being. Kate Steen, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, John. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you today. We're going to be focusing on a topic that has a lot of relevance in a time of COVID, a time of emergencies and crisis. We're going to be focusing on improving employee retention and other employee outcomes by showing concern for employees' safety and well-being. We need to make sure that we're providing adequate training so that employees know how to respond to emergencies we need to know how they we need to know how to help them create safer workspaces and of course that applies to situations like covid where we have health challenges but it also has to do with workplace other workplace safety issues and crises that can emerge so those are the things we'll be exploring together today as we get started i wanted to share kate's bio with everybody kate's Steen is founder of Make It Happen Preparedness Services, which helps leaders of mid-market businesses and organizations build resilience through customized emergency preparedness training and planning. Disasters have victims. Emergencies have responders. She helps you turn your team into awesome responders. She and her team are working to create a future where businesses and organizations that are prepared to survive emergencies and thrive after them are the foundation for resilience, uh, resilient communities throughout California. Uh, thanks again for joining me, Kate. Anything else you would like to add by way of personal background or context for listeners?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I knew that you and I needed to talk when I read your book and saw your emphasis on company culture, people-centric organizations, and growth culture, because that really speaks to the way we approach both uh, emergency preparedness and workplace safety. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And let, let's start there. Let's start with um, safety culture. There's lots of specific things we can do in terms of policies, practices, procedures, making sure people are trained, signage, you know, like all, all of those types of safety protocols. There's lots we can talk about on what to do there. But I, I really do believe that it all starts with creating the safety mindset, the safety culture uh, amongst your people, and a resilience culture. Uh, and a resp- like an adaptiveness, a preparation and a response culture, right? And unless people are thinking that way, what you end up doing is you continue to have accidents, you continue to have um, health issues and, and injuries, and you're only being reactive rather than, you know, proactive and trying to stop them from happening in the first place. And of course, we don't want people getting hurt. We don't want people getting sick. We certainly don't want people, you know, dying on the job, we want to to make sure that our workplace is a a physically safe workplace, a psychologically safe workplace, and that requires, you know, a lot of the, the types of work that your organization does.
1: Right. You know, every business has a company culture, intentional or not. If senior management does nothing to create a company culture, that doesn't mean there isn't one. It just means that they've forfeited to others the power to shape that culture. The culture is how employees are behaving and talking about the business in the absence of any unifying standards or messaging. Uh, Businesses that understand that they have a company culture uh, and want to harness the power of that culture to drive their success. Are the ones that are best positioned to reap the benefits of a safe workplace. Yeah, you know, I'm curious, John, have you seen businesses that were sort of unaware that they had a company culture and so were letting others create it? I,
0: I, think, I think that happens a lot, actually. Um, in in fact, I was reading an article on LinkedIn. This was probably a couple years ago, but Uh, And I I can't remember who wrote it, but it it was someone trying to be provocative, you know, to get clicks and get reads. And so I'm not sure if they actually really truly believe this, but they talked about the whole article is about how organizational culture is a myth. And then they, they, they go into, you know, why we're just chasing our tails if we try to focus on culture. And the whole time I'm thinking as I'm reading this, I'm thinking that is so stupid. Um, anytime you get two or more people together in a group, a, a culture will emerge, and it's just a matter of, like you said, whether, whether it's uh, something that just organically arises, which usually has unhealthy elements to it, or is it something that we are very purposeful about and strategic about to shape the type of culture that we want. Um, cult, it, that's, I think that's just like a social fact, that culture mm-hmm. exists when you have people together. Um, and so I, I do believe that there are people who legitimately, I mean, they really think that that either culture isn't a big deal, perhaps it doesn't even exist, but certainly it's not something we should focus our energy on, um, and typically those are the organizations that have the most unhealthy cultures, um, where, where there's lots of exploitation, lots of abuses, um, kind of a dog-eat-dog, kind of hyper-competitive kind of uh, environment. And that's a culture, um, you know, it's just not a particularly healthy one. And, and so I, I think we really do need to make sure uh, that, that leaders are recognizing the role they play in shaping a good, healthy culture for their people to drive things like, you know, attracting and retaining the very best people getting the high level of performance and innovation out of your people. Um, all of those things don't happen in and of themselves. I mean, they, they have to happen. You have to cultivate an environment where people can perform. Uh, and we can't outsource that. We can't just say, oh, go read this good book and, and then you're done. Like, you have to be purposeful. You have to be consistent. You have to be committed uh, and maintain it. Um, because even if you put some effort into it up front, it, it won't just magically continue unless you continue to support it.
1: Exactly, yeah. In my mind, there's three levels of workplace safety. The, the first is compliance, which is ensuring that your company has uh, in place all the plans, training, reporting systems that are required by the law. You know, that's the minimum, that's enough to ensure that you won't get fined by OSHA or another regulatory agency. The next level is cost savings. This is where you take steps that are going to have a real impact on your workers' comp experience modification and your general liability insurance premiums. And this includes things like, you know, doing a workplace safety assessment, um, doing a a safer spaces plan, which is something we've created uh, for uh, organizations that are in earthquake country, how to uh, You know, develop an eye and do some prevention around the things that are going to tip over or go flying in an earthquake. Uh, Doing ergonomic assessments um, and developing a fleet safety program. If if you've got, you know, more than two vehicles, you've got a fleet and you need to have uh, some policies in place there. And then there's the third level, uh, which is aiming for safety competence at getting good at safety. Uh, so that it becomes something that the company is known for. You know, safety and emergency preparedness are not just priorities for the organization. because priorities can change from year to year. They're values. And at this level, you do things like, you know, investing in high-quality behavioral safety training, um, doing monthly preparedness drills and exercises, having accountability systems and really creating that safety culture. You know, it's a bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, at the compliance level, you're meeting your employees' safety needs. Then as you move through the higher levels, employees are getting a sense of belonging and connection as they watch out for each other's safety. And then as they see their employer taking positive steps to keep them safe, It develops a sense of respect, self-esteem, status, recognition. then when safety becomes a core organizational value, employees are motivated to become outstanding at safety. And that's where you're getting into a really great company culture. And that's where you start seeing the benefits like employee retention. You know, most organizations these days are having a horrendous time Uh, bringing back staff, finding people to work with them. And uh, there's a real high priority on hanging on to the ones that you have. Uh, And there's there's a lot of, you know, sort of independent accountability around this, you know, between the website Glassdoor, where people can review you as an employer or on the more positive side, you know, the best places to work list. You know, the companies that invest in safety, it's going to show in their organizational reputation and that's going to impact their ability to recruit. And if employees feel that their employer really cares about them, if they've worked anywhere else, they know that's a fairly rare thing. So that is going to encourage them to stay with that employer who's investing in them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love kind of the tiered approach that you just described in terms of workplace safety, employee well-being. Um, All of those tiers, all those elements are important. Um, But ultimately, for me, you know, if if I'm trying to choose which organization I want to go work for or whether I want to stay where I'm at or or look to go somewhere else, um, culture, the environment, the people I work with, that's one of the top things. Now I need to be paid fairly and equitably. And if, you know, if someone's lowballing me, I'm not going to want to go work there, but all else being equal with relatively similar pay and benefits packages, I'm going to be focusing on what kind of a culture uh, exists. Is it a psychologically safe place? Is it a a physically safe place? Do the, does the employer invest in their people? Do they actually genuinely care about their people? Not just, you know, say the right things in meetings and put, you know, nice words on the wall, but do they actually live it through their their practices and, and and how they interact with people consistently over time? These are the types of things that I'm going to be focusing on and hoping to find in an organization that I'm going to devote, you know, a good portion of my life to. And to your point, it, it's it's really challenging right now to find and retain good people. Um, before the pandemic, it was very challenging, particularly in, in, in STEM fields, um, in, in certain sectors. I mean, there, there just aren't enough people um, to, to fill the jobs, let alone getting like the best people, the top notch people. And that changed a little bit uh, during the pandemic because unemployment rates went up, many organizations laid off a lot of people. But that's already reversed itself. It's already the case that organizations are having a really hard time filling, you know, staffing their organizations and filling their roles with with great quality people, and so we can't take it for granted. Uh, we have to treat people with dignity and respect. We have to treat them well. We have to uh, genuinely care for them and value them and invest in them. And it really is kind of a low bar. To, to say, we need to make sure that we're creating a physically safe workplace environment. I was doing work with a uh, a, a big national, well really a big international corporation, but uh, very huge in the U S um, uh, they have a, a factory near where I live. So I was doing some work with, with the factory and they have, you know, not a great safety uh, record and they were a little bit befuddled by it. They, you know, they put in place a bunch of policies and practices, and self-checks, and kind of all the typical things you'd expect to see on a factory uh, factory floor, OSHA compliance, and everything. And uh, yet, the problems kept persisting. Like they kept on having accidents, and not minor accidents, like really bad accidents. And of course, that's a really horrible thing for an organization because there's all the expense, um, you know, involved. Um, litigation, all that kind of stuff that's that's involved when accidents occur, higher rates for um, coverage, and all that sc- sort of stuff that impacts the bottom line. But on the human side, you have people getting hurt, <laughs> and yeah. you and you have and you have a really hard time. Um, you know, nobody. We, we don't live like in the early days of the industrial revolution where people just feel like that's the way it has to be. Like people expect to be safe. And so, so then they're, they're seeing, um, you know, uh, people leaving and they're having a hard time keeping good people and the it becomes a spiral and they're, they're wondering, why is this happening? Cause they were saying the right things. They had policies in place. But when you, when you zoomed in a little bit, what you, what I saw is that they were undermining themselves, um, in how they were approaching, in the type of culture that they were establishing, they did not have a safety culture. They had a "do whatever it takes at all costs, cut corners" culture, and mm-hmm. that is not particularly compatible <laughs> with workplace safety in in an environment like a factory. Right, you really have to take it very seriously, and you have to ex- expect and demand compliance. You have to expect and demand accountability from senior leadership all the way down to line workers right on the factory floor. And, and they weren't doing that. And so of course it ended up having really negative impacts for them. Thankfully, over time, they were able to, they had some leadership changes. They were able to see, um, you know, the problems they were better able to understand how maybe f- being faster and more quote unquote efficient wasn't actually helpful if they have to throw out batches of product due to problems that occurred and they have higher premiums and they have um, fines and, and and settlements and all that kind of stuff, they, they started to realize that and they were able to, to right the ship. But it shouldn't take many injuries to get to that point. Exactly. organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: Exactly, you know, how motivated, the day after someone's been seriously hurt, how motivated are all the other employees going to be to really give their all? You know, you can get, in terms of productivity, you can get so much more out of employees who are motivated because they feel like their employer has their back than you will out of unmotivated employees who don't feel safe, who are just under pressure to uh, move faster and you you listed all of the costs that come with uh, not paying attention to safety, the possibility of being uh, fined by OSHA. On the one hand, the the chances of you're getting just a random general inspection from OSHA are, I actually figured this out, it's seriously uh, lower than your chances of getting struck by lightning. However, 65% of OSHA inspections come from employee complaints. So if you've got discontent employees or people who are observing lack of safety that's not being addressed, you're much more likely to get a visit from OSHA and get dinged for every single plan you don't have in place and possibly more serious uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, it, for violations.
0: and it piles up really fast. Right. Oh, yeah. Once they yeah. do show up, um, <laughs> you better have your ducks in a row. So, you know, and, and yeah, when those accidents happen or when people um, self report or, or uh, file a complaint, uh, you know, that that's a, the trigger that will <laughs> unleash the regulatory agencies, you know, and uh, and it, it, it can, I mean, that alone can be disruptive to business um, processes and everything, not to mention all the fines and everything. So, I mean, it's just so, so much better to just be proactive, do what you're supposed to do, treat your people well, take care of them, make sure they're safe, uh, and then you don't have to worry about any of that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I used to be an attorney and I've been an employer. And, you know, if you want something to kill productivity, try a lawsuit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've already kind of referred to several of the different pieces that can contribute or hinder the ability to attract and retain really great people. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what else you think in terms of what, like, are some proactive steps that an organization could take if, if anyone's listening and they're thinking ooh, we probably aren't doing as much as we need to or should be doing in in relation to safe employee safety and well-being well, what are some of the first steps that they should be taking in order to right the ship get their their workplace get you know get those plans in place get the trainings in place you know what what are those first steps that they should be doing that you would recommend to any client that you work with
1: well, you know, I, I am based in California, where we have, uh, you know, some very high standards for uh, employer safety that you, that are, you know, beyond what OSHA requires. But first of all, just find out what's required, get those plans in place. It's not difficult. Training is essential, and it's got to be high quality training, or employees are just going to be tuning it out. Uh, you have to really invest in, um, you know, whatever you do, doing it at a quality level.
0: Can, can um, I just on that point? <laughs> because <laughs> I, I agree and, and I do a lot of work in the training and development space, adult learning and such. And it's so true. I mean, it's, it's hard to c- capture people's attention in the first place. Um, but you have a crappy training, uh, whether it's a face to face training where people are just zoning out or even, you know, uh, like just recently at my university, we had to, every year we have our sexual harassment Title IX trainings, we have our cybersecurity trainings, we have this slew of of online trainings that we have to do every year. And of course that's important, we need to do it. And they're decent, they're definitely better than they were even five years ago. Um, But they're still not great. And so you know what ends up happening is people just end up clicking through as fast Mm -hmm. as they possibly can while they're doing something else and they're not really paying attention and if that's the case then are they really learning anything are they really understanding what they need to do to respond to a situation of course not they're, they're just checking a box for the organization so the organization can say we did training and that's really about all that's happening if the training's not well done
1: yeah one of my colleagues uh, says that in order to capture an order uh, an audience for a safety training within the first seven minutes You have to tell them something they have never heard before. I would say, in the first seven seconds, you need to do that. Uh, You need to, you know, early on capture their attention and say, oh, I could really learn some stuff here. Uh, That's, you know, that's what I would say for online training. In person training, the key there is just have them interacting constantly, getting them up out of their seats physically doing things that are really going to uh, you know you're not just conveying the material but you're you're really you're building new neural pathways and that happens best through physical interaction and sort of you know testing and quizzing that has to do with what happens in their particular work site I am not a fan of any kind of off-the-shelf canned, Training because if an employee doesn't feel it's relevant to them, they're going to turn it. Uh, they're going to turn it off, uh, and that's why we customize what we do to every employer. And the scenarios and the trainings are built around their workplace, and you know their company culture and their, you know, what exactly the product or service they provide is. And you know, even getting down to using, you know, very localized. Details, you know. So the uh, um, the hazardous waste spill has happened on Highway 101 near the Steel Lane exit. So that's why you know. Oh, so this is this this is something that could happen here. Yeah,
0: yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, Kate, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I noticed we're, we're getting close to the end of our time together uh, and I want to be respectful of your time. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your business, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Okay. Uh, ways to connect with me would be either through uh, our website, which is make it happen PS, as in preparednessservices.com. Uh, And I'm always happy to hear from people through LinkedIn. That's the social media that I uh, um, I pretty much exclusively use and, and, uh, you know, post safety content there all the time. Uh, Last word on safety. I think maybe I'd I'd, uh, talk a bit about, um, especially for preparedness, uh, it can bring up a lot of fear when you talk about emergencies and disasters. I say building competence instills confidence. The more you prepare, the more you feel like you have things under control. That fear gives way to confidence, and that's why we emphasize, uh, rather than what you know, how scary an emergency would be, what being prepared looks like.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you, Kate. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what she and her organization could do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week.